Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is my lumberjack co-host, Tara. Okay, I swear I have other shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I just wear this one a lot because we tend to record after I work and it's an easy thing to throw on. Oh, uh, greetings, citizens. <laughs> I love how you had to tell me off for like 30 seconds before you'd get to the hello part. Excellent start. We are a science fiction movie podcast. A regular episode of this show is us uh, talking about a movie that we've both just watched and we'll sit and we'll dissect it for at least an hour, sometimes up to two hours, depending on the movie. Um, this is not that episode. This is actually our first ever countdown episode. This is something that I've done in other shows with Tim and Screams After Midnight for horror movies. I've done it with Connor for other stuff and so on. Uh, but this is going to be our top 25 sci-fi movies of the decade. The decade, of course, being 2010 to 2019 because we're right at the end of the decade. And, you know, I debated doing a 50, but obviously, you know, when I actually assembled the list of all the movies that I'd seen, and I think Tara was similar, yeah, we can get to 50 in terms of numbers, but we don't necessarily like, you know, once we get to like 42, it's like, do we even like this movie anymore? Not really. Yeah, it'll be like, this movie was kind of fine. <laughs> so we cut it down to 25 to make it tough so that everything was worth mentioning and uh, hopefully it gives you guys some good recommendations. And what's interesting about this versus, say, a list that me and because me and Tim are going to do this for horror movies we're going to do top 50 horror movies of the decade because we've been doing that show now uh, almost five years uh, and what's funny is that because me and Tim have seen a lot of the same movies I feel like our lists are going to have a lot of overlap and a lot whereas mm -hmm. well we'll we'll have some overlap I think we'll have maybe a bit more of a variance uh, than I've had with previous lists that's it well actually having said that sometimes Connor has like a shit ton of like like, you'll have, like, John Hughes movies and, like, anime and shit, and like, it, that'll take up, like, enough slots that his list feels really different. Um, not on here. <laughs> I mean, technically, anime could accounted for this. A, a lot of anime is science fiction. Uh, but I if, don't watch anime. <laughs> yeah, if, if you know us, if you know us, then you know that there's zero chance of that happening. But... Yeah. So, all you anime fans uh, who stumbled upon our channel for this episode... <laughs> <laughs> there are no anime on my list <laughs> yes yeah, not on mine either but that's okay uh, so the way this works is really simple um tara's gonna give her number 25 then i'll give my number 25 obviously when we give our entries we'll explain them a little bit um and we'll go from there uh, we'll probably do a few shout outs and honorable mentions at the end don't let it spoil what's not going to appear uh, to make it a bit more exciting and this is probably going to run a while so buckle in get comfortable maybe get some candles go in the bath you know, just to shut your eyes and listen to the sweet, sweet sounds of me. And then Tara's also there occasionally too. So, uh, and arguing with each other about <laughs> why, why their choice is stupid. Perfect for a relaxing bath. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. well, how do people have baths before like, you know, like podcasts and tablets exist? It must've been so boring. I don't know. Um, have you ever just like turned off electronics and listened to your own thoughts? I did once and it scarred me for life and I've, st <laughs> I've still not quite recovered. Uh, and I, I don't want to think about the number of people that might, you know, get hurt if I listen to my own thoughts. So I have to numb it with sound. Mm, go back to, yeah, go back to science fiction podcast. <laughs> 
dear. Okay, so we're going to get started here. Top five sci-fi movies of the decade, 2010 to 2019. Uh, this is exciting because you only get to do this once every 10 years. Um, now, <laughs> obviously, at some point, we're probably going to do our own top 25s or 50s of previous decades for fun, right? We'll do that eventually. But um, we're doing this right now because this is this is relevant because it's the end of the decade. So this, mm-hmm. is, this is cool. It's special. We're going to get going. Tara, without further ado, what is your number 25? I'm going to make you so mad. <laughs> right out of the gate. Uh, so I have two movies whoa, that whoa. are tied. Well, no, 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 Let me explain it. Let me explain it. I know I know what your reaction is going to be, but let me explain it. The reason is, is because they're two movies from a franchise that I love and need to be on this list because I love them. Wait, wait. Let me freaking finish. <laughs> but they're on the list for the exact same reason. Because I I love this franchise and they have to be here. But it, the you're, movies are problematic. It is you're making Star it Wars into, or Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. They are tied for the last place. You're they have making, to be here. You are making a mockery of the list system, the countdown system. No, with your very first entry. They are the same movie. Your very first they are entry. One. It is, it is Star Trek: Rise of Skywalker or <laughs> Star Wars: Into Darkness. <laughs> first of all, both these movies are Just not. One movie. Both of these movies are not very good for a start. So I'm I'm offended in a quality They're level. They're on my list because they have to be. What do you mean they have to be? You know, there's a lot of Star they Wars movies to, to pick. There's a lot of Star Trek movies to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I I cannot, I, I can't not have them on my list. But they both of them deserve to be twenty fifth. Did Did you like Cumberbatch's Can? I like <laughs> a lot of Star Trek Into Darkness, mm-hmm. and I like a lot of Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. But and I they they just have to be there. That's all. They they're on my list. They made it. Okay. Okay. Uh, so so why what why. I think that J.J. Abrams really knows how to refresh a franchise um, and then doesn't know how to keep going. (laughs) But because he does such a good job of refreshing it and introducing me to these people that I love, I want to see more from them. And I still think that they're worth watching and they're, I still think they're good. They're just, they're just not, they're not better than 25. <laughs> I just, I don't even, I don't even know. All right, well, my number 25, despite the fact that Tara couldn't actually justify why she wanted these to be on our top 25, uh, <laughs> and not not d- despite the fact that she also didn't pick one movie, the whole point she's meant to make a hard cut, she's meant to say, because surely you like one more than the other. Surely you like either Rise of Skywalker or into darkness one of them has to be better than the other i don't know i only just saw rise of skywalker like 12 hours ago (laughs) (laughs) i need more time (laughs) okay we're off to a winning start um i knew you was good i knew you were gonna be so mad (laughs) i mean i'm baffled by the picks but yes i'm mad about the format cheating the breaking so yeah number 25 is star trek rise of skywalker 
This is a shambles. This is an absolute shambles already. Number 25 for me is actually also a Star Trek movie, believe it or not. Number 25 is Star Trek Beyond, which I think is the best of the three of the the newer Abrams, Kelvin-verse movies. Um, mainly because it, it just decided to have fun. And I also felt like it was the one that felt the most like an actual Star Trek story. Because it, mm-hmm. you know, had had the heart, it had had had, had an interesting new character. Like I like, if they do ever actually get around to making a fourth one, I want that new chick. I want the, the you know the, the white alien. Oh, chick. she's great. Yeah, yeah, she was great. I agree. Um, oh, oh, Sophia Butella. 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 Yeah. yeah. And like, she really like made an entrance in like movies, uh, just in the last decade, and like kept killing it. Like she's great. Yeah, Kingsman, um, The Mummy, which obviously wasn't good, but like... Oof, no, yeah. but I was looking forward to seeing her as The Mummy. Like, the trailers were good with her. Yeah. Um, I So, I like... I think Star Trek Beyond has the most of the original show in it. You know, it, it, yeah. it still has action sequences, but it doesn't feel as contrived. Um, I thought it was a really solid sci-fi action movie, um, and... It was, a, it was a nice send off. Like, I, I remember tearing up a little bit, even though you know when I saw that movie, I hadn't really seen much of the sh- any of the shows at all. But I found myself getting a little bit emotional at because actually because this movie came out maybe like six months before me and Connor started doing uh, the reviews, you know, from the mm-hmm. start. So, but I found myself getting a little bit teared up with how they handled like uh, young Spock dealing with the fact that old Spock passed away, and of course Leonard Nimoy had literally passed away since the previous movie, so it was very kind of yeah. real and felt raw. And, and Anton Yeltsin, I yeah. mean, that was so surprising and heartbreaking. Like, it, of course, it's hard to lose a legacy like Leonard Nimoy, yeah. but um, but of course, just somebody so young is just so tragic. But of course, unlike Leonard Nimoy, a I mean, obviously he's in the movie, so obviously he died after he shot the movie, but. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously it wasn't written with the idea of this being a send-off for him. So he doesn't, he doesn't get the plot send-off. He obviously gets the dedication at the end, because of course he does, but... Um, yeah. Sp- Spock, you know, Leonard Nimoy gets this wonderful send-off from the younger Spock yeah. trying to deal with his own, his own like sort of future death, and that, that's kind of a beautiful idea. Um, but it has a lot of heart, and uh, I... Uh, what's, what's his face? Carl Orban's Bones is, like, fantastic. The and best. He's the best <laughs> thing about that trilogy. I, honestly, every, and I, I love that, because that was the oh, first I one. I absolutely agree. From, like, the the first movie, where I, I didn't think that he could do it, because I really knew Carl Orban from Lord of the Rings mm. as Eomer, and when and he comes in, and you're like, oh, he's fantastic, because he, he just, he nails the, the attitude, you know, yeah. the temperament, and he's still so likable and he looks nothing like DeForest Kelly, but the, he has just the right details. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like he got kind of shafted in the first two because it's because Trek always felt like a three person show to me in terms of the plots. And I felt like the first two movies kind of did a disservice to him. They wanted to make Uhura the third. Yeah. And the third movie, it didn't, it didn't try to take away from Uhura to do it, but it really felt like Bones got to be a part of the main plot. Like his, his stuff with Spock in that movie uh, and being a part of Spock's like sort of acceptance of death really yeah. worked for me. Uh, so, no, Star Trek Beyond, I think it's a solid movie, and I hope the fourth one, if it happens, is good, and hopefully it continues what I liked about Beyond, even though Beyond didn't do that well financially. Um, no, yeah, that was, was a surprise. So, uh, yeah, number 25 is Star Trek beyond tara what's mm-hmm. your number 24 my number 24 is another sequel it is tron legacy <laughs> okay this is a, a movie that a lot of people 
panned. <laughs> but I, I was blown away when I saw it in the theater. Um, I know 3D movies were becoming popular. I thought this is a movie that did 3D really right. I liked the world. I love the uh, the score by Daft Punk. Um, I thought the, the characters were interesting. I'll, I'll agree. I'll be the first one to say before you <laughs> jump in on it. or if, I don't even know if you've seen it, but the CGI, the aging, it was a little weak at this point, but it showed potential <laughs> uh, <laughs> for future movies. For the record, I have not seen it, no. I really love this movie. I think, uh, I I don't, uh, I don't know. I went and saw it and was totally blown away and I want to talk to people about it and people didn't, didn't see what I saw. And I don't... I, it was just fun. It was fun. It was a cool world. It, it's miles better than the first one. The first one's pretty boring, I think. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is I actually think I watched the first one just before it came out, thinking, oh, I'll watch the first one and see if I like it. And I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I like you say, I was painfully bored by the first one, so i just never seen the second one. I, I'm truly still like disappointed that we're not getting uh, the, the continuation of the story. Like I like, I really like the first one. There was... they. Killian Murphy's in like the first scene, the opening scene, and then never seen again. I don't even know if he's credited in the film because I think he was supposed to be a big recurring thing for the next one. Mm. And of course, those movies got canceled because they made no money. But um. I think I think it's worth watching. Like, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. OK, well, I mean. I've heard nothing but bad things, but I've not seen it, so I can't really argue with you. So, I'll, 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 I'll... I, th- I think a lot of people will back me up. I think it's a, I think it's a movie that a lot of people liked, but um, critically, it, it didn't work. And I think, uh, yeah, and of course, it just, I guess, people weren't interested in it because uh, no one went and saw it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure so. Disney have a lot of other franchises they want to just keep pumping out as opposed to trying Tron again. And if they ever did, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the sequel anyway. It'd be like another reboot. It'd be here's a new version of Tron. Yeah. So, okay. And actually, I, I just double checked what year that was. I was like, I, I don't know. Was that was that this decade? And it was 2010. It was just they just made it in. Yeah. <laughs> I just double checked. I was like, I hope she's not pulling a fly. She's already cheated by having two movies tied <laughs> in 25th place. All right. So my number my number 24 um, is one of the more recent films on this list and that is Ad Astra uh, mm. which is not a perfect movie um, you know obviously we did have critiques and we kind of picked that some there's some plot holes and some sciencey things that you can really tear apart if you want to um, but this was a movie that just really spoke to me in terms of its atmosphere and the, the feeling of the journey where it felt like a, a, such a trek to get to the moon and then it felt like such a trek to get to Mars and then it was this mm-hmm. long journey to get to you know beyond uh, Uranus <laughs> I think it was a Neptune. I think it was Neptune, actually. But um... <laughs> Neptune is beyond Uranus. Oh, is Neptune? Oh, sorry, Uranus is first. Okay. No, it is. Okay. No, no, right. you're right. Excellent. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> Why did they call it Uranus? It's so hard to say it in a sentence and not giggle at the, the, the context around it. It's a very unfortunately named planet. <laughs> You just said to me Neptune's beyond Uranus. Well, I'd hope so. I think there's a planet yeah. near near my ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, back to seriousness. Yes. Yeah. I like this movie a lot too. 
Yeah, um, I like the moodiness of it. I like the the, the narration and the kind of you know, and out of nowhere there's a there's a really fun action scene in the middle of this where there's like a, there's like a car chase. It's a it's a lunar buggy chase on the moon. Um, yeah, it's like a it's like a weird. Um, I I don't know. Like it becomes like a western shooter. Yeah. Or <laughs> um this was for me this was all about the visuals and the music and just like how it all came together in that sense and i like and even though there is flaws in the storytelling you can sort of poke holes in the script Mm -hmm. and some moments that it has and i still like the ultimate message it has the ultimate message about him going out there to find his father and ultimately he learns and what it has the message it has to say about like you know accepting or or not accepting who your parent is i think actually is a really nice solid little message Uh, there was a couple of tricks you, you know taken and some liberties taken to get it there but I think ultimately it works really well, and I was really into it from start to finish. So, yeah, uh, Astra, I don't think it should be too high because it does have some problems, but I do think it deserves to be on here as a, a shout. It out. barely, barely missed my list. Oh, okay. but you know, unless yeah. I'm allowed to double up on the rest. No, you are <laughs> not. And the Baron will be not be any. I'll never like, do that again. I promise. Yeah, I the just, bar- I cannot. There better be not any like, uh, oh, I'm counting this trilogy as one. No, no. never. That's it. Just the 25. Just, if, just if you, the if you even try and pull that shit, I will erase this recording and make you do the whole thing again properly. <laughs> right. What's your, what's your number 23? <laughs> uh, my 23 is Star Trek Beyond. Hey! So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's it's definitely the best of, of the three. I, I'm sure most people would like the first one but as somebody who already loved star trek as a franchise (laughs) going in into the movies like i didn't need to be proven that star trek is good i already knew that so it wasn't a surprise to me i've not i've not watched any of these movies since i started working through the show and i do actually wonder if i'd like the first one as much if i if I, you know, because I feel like I may but actually. Totally, it's so different. Yeah. But the the thing the first one gets right is is the characters are great, and mm. the relationships between them are great, and you could put those characters in any film franchise, and it would be great because they just work. Um, and I think the, but I think Beyond does um, does an extra step where it's like. This is why we liked the original show because it was the characters and also it was these types of stories. You know, we're on a planet. There's aliens. We're, it's. I, I think it. I mean, it wasn't it written by Simon Pegg? He's like a Star Trek super fan. It was, it was one of the I co-writers, think I think. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. I, I think a great Star Trek movie, and I think the best of the of the trilogy of the new ones. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think most Trek fans actually fall on that. I think most most of them line up to saying the third one's the best, uh, which is strange because most franchises don't work that way. <laughs> but uh, that's cool. Uh, that's true. So my number twenty three is I think an underrated film that does not get. I mean, it's not even that it doesn't get enough love. It, it, it gets shot on, and I don't think it should be shot on. I think the heart is there, and I think it works really well. My number twenty three is Tomorrowland. And, oh, <laughs> and yeah, it, I love this movie. And I like I, I love the main girl in this. Obviously, George Clooney's pretty fun in there. But it's this it's this movie about optimism. I mean, I, I I'm a big bad Brad Bird fan, and I you know I, I, his Mission Impossible for me is the best one. I love Iron Giant, and he, he you know and it has a lot in common with Iron Giant and the, the optimism and this idea of like trying to have a better future. And um, totally agree. 
mystery and adventure, all this stuff. Like, I was really into it. Um, and it was a shame that everyone else seemed to just kind of think it was, I don't know, too I think schmaltzy. people thought it was too preachy. Um, but I, I think they're they're missing the main message here. It's it's not that you're doing stuff wrong. And people don't like to hear that. You know, people mm. don't want to be like, well, yeah, I get it. You know, the environment sucks and we could do more or whatever. But and it, it's but that, that wasn't the point of it. The point is that, you know, we still should should do our best. And yeah, the, the optimistic message is don't look mm. at the future and just see the negative, you know, see what we can where we can go from here, what opportunities this presents. And I really like the girl and I like that that world. And I, I love that that retro future that um, mm-hmm. in, in Tomorrowland with the whole like World Fair style um I I love this movie. Yeah, I like it a lot. Good pick. Um, Brad Bird. I uh, agree. I think it's totally underrated. Yeah, Brad Bird, for the record, is still my number one pick to direct a Superman movie. Um, I mean, man knows how to do optimism. Um, and you'll probably agree with me even more once you see Iron Giant, which we'll definitely do in the show at some point because, uh, like, you, you, there's so much Superman in that. Literally, <laughs> you, you'll see what I mean when you see it. But uh, okay, yeah. So that's, that's Tomorrowland. Uh, what is your number twenty-two? My twenty-two is a Marvel movie, <laughs> and it is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a rare breed here, but I actually like the sequel more than the first one, and uh, I think it's. I think because the sequel knew a little bit more about what it about what it was, it kind of leaned into the campiness. Like I get it, not all the humor is great. Whatever, I, Taser Face doesn't work. I get it. It works for the kids who watched the movie in front of me, but it didn't work for me. But other than that, like I, I love the movie. I love the father son relationship. I love the sister relationship. Um, I I just had a blast with this film. So. I don't. I mean, I don't dislike Guardians too. I, I I do think it's weaker than the first one, mainly because I feel like the the because they split into two, right? I, I think the the plot with Rocket and Yondu and all that stuff. I think that stuff is fantastic, pretty much from start oh, to finish. Oh, it's so great! Yeah, um, emotional this, too. I got really emotional. But Pierre and Gamora on the 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 Eagle Planet with uh, Kurt Russell, I found that to be kind of a pace killer, where it just felt like they were waiting around for the plot to start. Uh, for a long no, time. No, I I love the the scenes with him and his, and his. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't really see it so much as Peter and Gamora and and uh, Kurt Russell. Like, I see the father son storyline and the the sister the the family storyline. You know, and I I think it's a lot cleaner than the the first movie. The first movie, this like it's fun, but I don't love the characters yet. And okay. in this movie, I do. I I don't. I can't really. Look, I, I I've only seen it once. Maybe, maybe the stuff that I wasn't as keen on will, will work better for me uh, on a, on a second viewing. But um, and the soundtrack's better. <laughs> I can't I can't remember the songs well enough to uh, agree or disagree with that. But uh, <laughs> but fair enough. Guardians two is a uh, your twenty two. My number twenty two. Uh, very different from my last pick. I last my last pick was hopeful and optimistic and. Building a better world. Number twenty-two is Ten Cloverfield Lane, <laughs> <laughs> where we're all screwed no matter what. And if you leave the bunker, you something bad is going to happen, or will it? 
as the movie kind of you know goes through. Uh, you know, the premise of this is basically that uh, Maisel Winstead wakes up and she's in like a sort of a bunker, sort of safe. You know, one of these uh, shelters that someone builds, thinking that nuclear fallout is going to come. And John Goodman's mm-hmm. down there, and there's one other guy that's maybe more about her age. And she's told that she can't leave, not because she's been held captive, but because it's not safe, because outside is like radioactive and, you know, there's a disease or something. I remember exactly what it says to her. And it becomes this movie about John Goodman being this, like, just controlling, possibly psychotic, like, and like the the attempts to try and regain control from him and there's twists and there's turns and it is science fiction it's got, got the word cloverfield in the title so i don't think it's a spoiler to say that there is a science fiction element that does come in although i won't say exactly to what extent because i think that mm-hmm. does get spoilery but um it's definitely the best movie with cloverfield in the title uh i'll say that uh, very tense and i love that it's this little low budget 10 million dollar movie that like i think was revealed about a month before it came out, which never oh, happens. Oh, yeah, that was such a surprise. Yeah. It was just, hey, there's a Cloverfield movie coming out next month. I'm like, what? And then, of course, they topped up with the Netflix one. I'm like, oh, it's out tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. Didn't even watch it. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Unfortunately, it was kind of a it was weak sauce. Uh, but The gimmick was the most exciting part. <laughs> yeah. But Ten Cloverfield Lane is a really good uh, sci-fi thriller uh, with good performances. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I recommend it, and that's my number twenty-two. What is your twenty-one? My twenty-one is the beginning of a franchise that I didn't know I needed a reboot of. It is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked. <laughs> I <laughs> I know, like this is uh, I think of the three, this is the. This is definitely the the weakest, but oh, I, still... I wonder. I wonder if the two are going to show up now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, big surprise. Anyway, right? But like the but this one. I mean, when it came out, it was such a shocker. Like I went and and saw it in the theater, kind of with my arms folded. Like, okay, you're giving me a, a reboot to a movie that is kind of dated, but. <laughs> And, but it's a prequel, and I've been burned before, and it has James Franco in it. <laughs> jo- Fine, jo- show me what you got. And it was it was great. It was it was fun. It it justified why it existed. It and you know you're you're following the you're not following the human characters really. You're you're following Caesar and his journey, and you're like, oh, I this is I'm conflicted on who I'm rooting for for the first time, and it's uh. It, it was just such a surprise. Honestly, like, what's what's? I mean, it technically is a prequel, but honestly, like, but at the same time, not really. Like, it, like it's such a good science fiction like take on what it is. And I, I was the same way when I saw the trailer for it. I went, "Who wants a reboot of Planet of the Apes? Like, just let yeah. it die." <laughs> and I remember like just being blown away with how good it was. Um, and mm-hmm. like. And you know, one of the things I'm complaining about a lot recently is how they're using nostalgia all the time in these reboots and sequels, and they're constantly referencing the old movies. This movie mm-hmm. has one of the best callbacks to like the original film, like that I have ever seen in a movie. Just with the news? No, 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 no. It's uh, an iconic line from the first movie's flipped on oh. its head, and it's yeah. such a good moment. Oh, uh, I know. 
right it is used ex- that that is like the most justifiable like reference i have ever seen in something because it it, it just it, it flips everything and it has impact and the mm-hmm. shock of it works because the character in the scene is also shot it's, it's so good like yeah rise is great rise is great you'd have to convince me <laughs> like yeah it definitely deserves to be on the list of top 25 yeah uh so that was uh 21 right mm-hmm. uh my number 21 uh, I probably won't get much agreement on this one, I don't think. Uh, but my number 21 is Interstellar. Um, <laughs> now, not super wow, high. I am shocked that it is so low. Yeah, yeah. You're probably expecting it to be higher. And I like Interstellar I a lot. And I may even, I may even go up when I watch it again, because I've, 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 I've not seen it since, you know, like 2014. <laughs> but... Like this movie has so so much insane visuals and the music, you know, everyone thinks about the docking sequence. Um, I love the build of everything that's happening. Um, it's clearly mm-hmm. got a lot of influence from stuff like two thousand and one to the point where, like, you know, once the sci-fi stuff started to get going in the movie, you know, once we'd introduced the characters and he's like, okay, there's going to be a mission of some kind, and they're explaining it to him, and they say mm-hmm. there's a message from somewhere out there. That I think they want us to follow. And I'm like, this is two thousand and one. <laughs> you're doing two thousand and one. No, what are you doing? Yeah. Um. And then, you know, it has all these weird... Hey, if you're going to steal, steal from the greats. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, it, it's very much Nolan's take on 2001, um, but with, yeah. a, with a lot more... Uh, a lot more... Romance? Yeah, I wasn't looking for that word specifically, but yeah. I, I was going to say with... I guess a lot more heart, but like... And it's not to say that 2001 doesn't have any heart, but it's a very cold film, right? You know, it's very... It is. yeah. Um, I can't think of any heart. <laughs> Whereas this movie kind of puts the human experience in the middle of it all at the center and then kind of goes out from there and treats right. it that way. And I think it's a very stunning visual film. Uh, the technical qualities are all fantastic. Uh, performances are good. Um, and I know some Hatha hate is about to erupt from the other side of the screen. but um, Don't like Hathaway. But Matthew McConaughey is really good in this movie. Um, yeah. He's fantastic in this movie, uh, and and he could be hit or miss. I, I that's true. Yeah. I wasn't never into the reconnaissance that was happening, but when he's got a good director, you know he is really great. Do, um, do, Hathaway, no, but yeah, McConaughey, yeah. So so do, do you remember the tagline or? Yeah, it was a tagline in the poster. It was like uh, humanity was born or mankind was born on Earth, but it was never meant to die. There was the, mm-hmm. the tagline. Um, I remember uh, when this was coming out. I, 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 one of the puns that I'm more proud of, I said about Matthew McConaughey. His career started in romantic comedies, but it was never meant to die there. Well done. I Thank approve. you. Yes, I thought that was great. Glad good. you remembered <laughs> that. Why do I get sarcasm in that sentence? I get a little bit of sarcasm. I don't think I trust you. Um, just, I, I also sense the whole nobody appreciated this at the time so I'm going to do this now <laughs> and, you know, it was, back. no it was appreciated I just I liked it enough to bring it back um, and it's, I, think I like how operatic the whole thing feels um, you know like I love the if we're talking about the music again like the organ almost in the soundtrack that gives it this really yeah. weird biblical feeling it's Zimmer right? it's Zimmer yeah I uh, love the Zimmer he's a uh, He's one of those guys. Uh, but sure yeah. Is. Yeah, Interstellar is my number 21, which leads you to your number good. 20. My number 20 is the second Marvel film. 
mainstream Tara over here. I know, right? Well, they're they're all kind of low on my list. But... Got got Star Wars and two Marvels <laughs> and two Star Treks already. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, it might get a little artsy later on. Um, just you know, these are movies that I just like, but I don't put on a pedestal. You know, those mm-hmm. are like the top tens. Mm-hmm. Those are separate. But anyway, it's Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only Marvel movie that I actually purchased on Blu-ray because I felt like I could watch it over and over again. And I, yeah, I think it's uh, it's brilliant. I, you get Taika Waititi, uh, who's done nothing but gold. And uh, it's, it's just, it, it takes... Um, it takes a character in the Marvel films that you, you you care about, but you don't really understand why it's not working <laughs> as well as it could be. And he says, let's just make a comedy. And it is, it is so fun. It's executed well. It's a bitchin' soundtrack. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the... You get Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, like it's a, it. it's a solid pick i think it's a great comedy as well um i do think because it's a good comedy the the stakes of the final act the action uh don't work mm-hmm. for me that well like i, I find i found myself really enjoying it and then the last act just being okay it's a marvel fight scene at the end you know whatever um there is is there a marvel movie that doesn't have that <laughs> well no but that's kind of my point is that i almost wish it didn't do it. I was, oh no i wish you were above this it's gonna even the black it, widow it's true the black widow but, trailer I mean, even I, everything I, else in it is just so juicy yeah but the, the black widow trailer even i felt that way with i was like oh they're doing like all this black widow stuff spy okay this is kind of oh she's flying through the air and there's like cg around okay <laughs> 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 it's still a marvel movie <laughs> Yep, that's true. Can't yeah. escape it. Even like Black Panther, which had you know, was such a deep movie. Yeah, still asking suffers with, a, with the fight at the end. Posing serious questions, but then that CGI fight at the end was just pretty lame. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Again. Uh, all right. <laughs> Got to take the package deal. Yep. And uh, yeah, well, Thor Ragnarok, it counts as sci-fi because they're aliens, so <laughs> it's on my list. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay, my number 20 then is uh, Monsters. I don't know what this movie is. This is from the director of uh, Godzilla. It's Gareth uh, Edwards. Edwards. Thank you. Because there's, yeah. there's a Gareth Evans as well, and I always mix them up, so I really had to make sure I was getting the right one. Um, but, like, this is a very low-budget film where he did all the CG on his own laptop. <laughs> Oh, I think you told me about this. Yeah, it's about uh, like so. That's part of like I think it's South America's like quarantine. You know, meant to go through there because it's where all the monsters that arrived on Earth, like all these alien beings, mm-hmm. that are huge. So there's like big walls that've been put up around like all all this part of the the, the continent, and basically this this like rich daughter like it needs to be escorted like to the other side of the the area, and this guy's hired to like take her. And it's essentially a romance where they're just going through the, the you know the jungle and they're going through like these like sort of areas that are almost like post-apocalyptic looking. It's not a post-apocalyptic movie, but this, these areas have been abandoned, so it kind of feels like it in parts of it. Uh, but they like to go past pyramids and all that stuff. Uh, this was just a really beautiful, simple little movie with some sort of almost Jurassic Park esque kind of like you know action where there's like you know cars getting flipped and things like that. But 
it, like I love the ending of it. I love the beautiful like nature where it kind of does this thing where it's like yeah, like the aliens are kind of like scary for a lot of the movie because they're big and whatever, but you kind of realize that they're really just fighting to stay with each other and survive. Like it, it kind of does this mirroring thing with the the romance that's really cool and um I just thought it was really impressive. It was a really dirt cheap little movie. Um so Cool. Now, admittedly, I only saw it once, and it was a long time ago. It was like 2010 it came out. Uh, so it's entirely possible <laughs> that I'll watch it again and be like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember it. But uh, it, the magic captured yeah. me at the time. It really did. So uh, my number 20 is... If we had a monsters. list that was longer than 25, I would have had a lot of those. Like, I think mm. I remember this being good. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, I, I feel confident about it at the time. I mean, but it is, it is a long time now, so it's entirely possible it'll, fl- it'll flip when I watch it again um but hey what's your number 19 my number 19 we're not out of the franchises yet i'm going with star wars the force awakens okay which is another reboot and uh, a, a skeptical reboot that turned out to be a lot of fun and introduced characters that i really liked brought back old characters that i was happy to see again um the pacing was perfect <laughs> the the jokes were funny uh i i think it was it was worthy of the star wars title to me and uh really was yeah totally into the hype um really 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 love this movie <laughs> i had fun with it when it came out you know i, I yeah. like the new characters i thought they had the fun chemistry um and you know that's basically it but, um, well, hey, Gus. Hey, Cat. <laughs> uh, for the audio listeners, Tara's cat just, like, you know, walked past the screen as if, no, I don't care if you recur and stuff. I'm going to just send around past. Yeah, this is his room. I'm just allowed to stay in it. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Well, if that's, if that's you, if that's uh, number 19, uh, my number 19 is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So, well... yeah, I mean, we talked about it already, but, like, the, the movie, like, makes sees are the main character and it's so impressive from a visual effects point of view where other than a couple yeah we really didn't talk about that uh, at all and it even for the the time when it came out like i can't believe those movies have never won the, the oscar for it because just the performance capture is so revolutionary well, you know here's the thing like so war of the apes came out what was that last year or 2017? Two years ago, I think. Two years ago. Right, so right before that came out, I, I watched the first two again. And the CG in Rise still held up. And that was, you know, five mm-hmm. years, six years later. And there's a couple of moments where you can almost see something look not quite right. But for the most part, you're you're watching the, you know, Caesar's eyes are looking around and you feel the emotion. You see the performance. It is real. Yeah, and you're, it, you're really watching Andy Serkis yeah. in a mask. Like, and it feels it, it, he's great and and uh toby kebble and it's it, it's two actors that unfortunately probably won't be able to be recognized for how mm-hmm. good they are because they're so known for doing this type of work instead and will never get the full credit yeah it, it, it like it's really impressive stuff and it still holds up today because we i think we really had a point with cg this decade where there's good cg and there's bad cg but the good stuff, the stuff that's done really well, even at the start of the decade, still holds up at the end of the decade. It's just a case of now, is there enough time and effort put into it, and you know, and that also means yeah. money, uh, to make it you know really lifelike. Uh, and the Apes trilogy as a whole has like some of the best visual effects uh, I've seen. So stunning, yeah, totally. Uh, so that, that's obviously a big thing that we didn't mention before. So I wanted to mention that and just 
Yeah, that's wonderful. So uh, what is your number 18? I can't believe it. But my 18 is Interstellar. <laughs> you had Interstellar higher than me? Be higher than, than you. Than you. <laughs> oh. oh. I do really like Interstellar. Like, it, it, you're right when it comes to this is Nolan's, you know, version of 2001. And of course, that's my favorite movie. So uh, I, I notice, I notice when people have ambition and want to try to reach that goal. And I, I'm all for it. Like, yes, bring me another one. And the visuals alone, the, the scene with like the black hole and they're going through the time thing, like it's, it, I can't believe that so much of it was done practical and mm-hmm. uh, totally worth it. Totally worth it. I love the planet um, where they're walking like, in the water and there's like a really slow mm-hmm. tidal wave. Like, but it's like so slow yeah. that it's not dangerous yet. And I'm like, whoa, that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It really, like the planets you go to really do feel alien. And it's, um, it's, it is a beautiful film. I, I just don't love, I don't love the, the end. And, uh, of course I don't like Anne Hathaway. Like she ruins everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> But also the the ending kind of makes things like okay I see what you're trying to do but like I just don't believe it as much as I want to and I, I think it's kind of a it's almost hokey uh, and I I wanted my movie to be more cerebral mm, yeah I guess I wanted to be colder <laughs> that said though you did have it this high which means the journey must have been worth the the experience definitely the journey and definitely the robot oh yeah, the robot's great yeah. The, the comic relief robot is great. <laughs> yeah, and again, it has a very unique look to it. It doesn't look at any other robot I've seen in a no, movie. No, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's blocky, and it shouldn't work, but it does. Um, mm-hmm. It's good. I, I do really like Interstellar. I, I make fun of it because people who are super Interstellar fans are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> My number 18 is actually similar. This is the first time I've had the same director. I mean, well, you technically had, like, you've had, like, three J.J. Abrams. Well, one and two halves, I guess, technically. <laughs> yeah, um, he's going to bother you for a long time. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but I'm actually going back to uh, Gareth Edwards because Godzilla from 2014 is my number 18, uh, mm-hmm. which is not a perfect film, and people will criticize the human characters, and there's, there's definitely things to critique there. Here's the thing, though. This is a movie that treats Godzilla like an absolute dominant force. And it's not a coincidence that even one of the sound effects from 2001 Space Odyssey, the sort of chanting part of the music, is in this movie. It's kind of almost Godzilla's theme when he appears. Yeah. <laughs> Very well done. Um, and you promised me before the start that you wouldn't sing any uh, music from the movies. <laughs> well, I didn't know we were going to do that song. <laughs> but I love just how, like, and some people get really annoyed at this movie because of the cock teasing, because it's like, oh, you almost see like a fight and then it cuts away or it almost does this. and it cuts I love away. it. I love it. I love that it teases I know, you like it, that. You know, I, I love th- because the payoff. Yeah. The, the payoff, payoff is great. Is worth it. Like, you know? Because I went into this movie not knowing, because obviously it's a more faithful looking Godzilla, right? And I do love that the next one actually brought Godzilla's real music back, you know, the da na 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 But one of the things I love about this movie is that I went into it not knowing if they were going to give him atomic breath. I didn't know for sure if they were going to do it or not. And no, when, me neither. when that moment hits and the light goes up the back of his like tail, like the feeling I had, and I, do I love about this movie? I love 
that entire last act see when they're descending into san francisco it's like they're going into mm-hmm. hell like a pl- almost like we were saying about interstellar how the planets yeah. the I planets mean, are alien right this feels that was like the trailer and the trailer was with that music and it was it was just like what am i about to watch what is that is that a back is that are there spikes yeah, like, like oh my god it's godzilla the trailer showed, he's the size of the skyscraper yeah, the, if not bigger the trailer showed parts of it but like when you're watching the movie like you get that great moment where it goes past like godzilla's head and like you almost see godzilla looking at him a little bit but mm-hmm. like the feeling is they're going into this it, it generally feels like they're going into like a hellish place where only monsters are supposed to live like the monsters have taken this yeah. over and this is not our world anymore and i love yeah. that feeling um, I and- think Gareth Edwards is what he proves in this movie, and I think in Rogue One, which is not on my list. Uh, Spoiler. Definitely <laughs> but- not on mine. <laughs> but I think he's really good at at scale. Like Oh, sure, yeah. And I think that, although I, I don't hate King of the Monsters, um, I actually enjoy that movie too because of the monsters. Uh, this one, that one kind of fails a bit, what Gareth Ed- Edwards does right, which is just he makes something feel enormous on the screen and a lot of people are not able to do that uh, like he does the same thing with the with the walkers the atat walkers in in rogue one where same, like, same, oh those things are big same with monsters i mean i know you've not mm-hmm. seen it but uh, like i have not seen it yeah I, I think um the atmosphere that's here is that uh, which is why i rank this higher but not to spoil that the other ones because I, I enjoyed king of the monsters as well i enjoyed that because it was more of a fun b movie and the monster fighting was a lot of fun but mm-hmm. I picked this over it because this one has this such a great like sort of vision and like like tone. Uh, when the gods do, when the monster stuff starts happening, when the Godzilla stuff starts happening, it really feels like another world is taking over our planet, and it just it feels so you know yes. apocalyptic. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Like it just I'm it's surprised great. it's not higher on your list. Um, it <laughs> was tough. Honest. Honestly, this is the point where I was starting to have some tough choices, and I was moving things yeah. around a lot. Uh, so we're getting to the tough stuff. So that was my number 18. So what is your number 17? My number 17 is a movie I know you really love. And uh, it's uh, it's Under the Skin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, one of the, the Scottish pride <laughs> <laughs> movies. Yes, um, yes. I, this is a movie I just rented because it, it said sci-fi and it had a picture of Scarlett Johansson. I thought, well, let me check it out. And was totally not ready for what the movie was but it's it's one of those movies that you watch and there's so much um unease when you watch it it's just this feeling of uh like that that scene on the beach with a baby like it's hard to just like she she really must be something extraterrestrial yeah. you know it's, to 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 just allow this to happen it's and fun. it's so it's cold and it's it's ominous and it's uh the atmosphere is they just nail it it is a horror movie also yeah it, it's, it's uh, very kubrick like there's a lot of comparisons it is, to it when yeah. it came out but it does feel genuinely very it's definitely kubrick. Art house but i think it's accessible you know it's not too much like we watched what? uh high life and, sure, which yeah. is not on my list and and that movie was just borderline too much art house do, do, do you know what's but, so funny about this is i saw this uh like opening day because i just i, just, I was like, oh movies are out i'm gonna go see one um and i didn't even know it was set in scotland and i went to this and like i knew it was our house because i'd seen part of the trailer and i was like oh i knew it was an art house movie and i sat down and the theater was packed it was like sold out and i'm looking around i'm like <laughs> Why is this sold out for an art house movie? Classy people in like, my town. Like this is <laughs> this is normally the type of movie that I'd expect like maybe two other people at. Like this is the sort yeah. of film it is. And then it was when it was playing, 
there's a point like about five ten minutes in where she goes somewhere and i just sort of like gradually reckon i'm like wait a minute i know this place i've <laughs> been here in the local paper or right. something <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll, I'll look around like, that's why the theaters fill they're only yeah. here because they know it's set in scotland that is the only reason why they were there and, and they're I, all gonna leave and go eh. <laughs> yeah because that's the thing because the movie starts with this like before it even gets to, like scarlett johansson like taking the clothes off of like some dead girl there's, is, there's this really sort of abstract like circle thing where it's like the eye forming and it's, it's like this really it is it, but it's like a couple of minutes of this and it's really like it's, it's almost mm-hmm. like the, the jupiter stuff from i mean it's a bit more toned down but it's almost like the jupiter stuff from 2001 where it's just these like shapes and images and like and i was just looking around like these people have no idea what they're in for they, they don't know what this is definitely not they were not prepared <laughs> they're um, either going to pretend they liked it yeah or they're just going to say well i didn't like that yeah whereas i i, I freaking loved it it's, it's like you said the tone's yeah, so strong I, um and i love that there is kind of an arc for a character where she become it's, she does get like mm-hmm. humanity as the movie goes on um yeah so and yeah, femininity like she finds mm. she she likes being a woman and it's yeah it's very uh she preys upon um men it, it kind of flips the whole thing like the, the men are almost like arrogant to the point where they think well i can't be in danger because it's a woman picking me like I, i'll, I'll mm-hmm. get in the strange van because it's just a woman a woman can't hurt me i'm a strong man and obviously it does not turn out well for them let's just say <laughs> men do have one weakness uh Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> she she has a pretty good weakness. Uh, this 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 is true. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was your number, your number seventeen. Seventeen. Um, my number seventeen is also very art house actually. Uh, my number seventeen is a little film called Beyond the Black Rainbow, and this is Refn. No, it's not Refn. Uh, there's a okay, lot. Of... You've brought this one up to me before. I haven't seen it. Yeah, there's a lot of Refn this in there. It's the same director who went on to do uh, Mandy uh, last year, and yeah. it's super trippy. It's about this this deranged scientist who's trapped a girl because she's got like maybe telekinesis or something like that, and it's about just him having her trapped, and it's really moody and stale. There's a lot of like you know bold lighting and weird like retro future like you know design and all that sort of stuff. It's super low budget. Um, but it's all atmosphere it's all how it feels and you know i showed this to a lot of people um back like soon after i first saw it and mm-hmm. of like the maybe probably like 15 people i showed it to because i was in like a film club kind of thing um like 14 of them hated it but there was that one person who was like i love this and i'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them all hated it <laughs> but i loved it um it's super trippy it's super um, it's one of those things much like under the skin where you have to be in the mood but once you turn the lights off and just let yourself be enveloped in it and just mm-hmm. be in the scenes as they're playing out it is a wonderful experience um and i love it and you know when i found out he was doing a, another movie and it was mandy it was like nicholas cage is in it what like oh it's not a sci-fi movie but like i was like okay this has to be bad shit good. oh well, yeah, i love mandy as well so uh cosmatos is his last name can't remember his first name, but the director's name is Cosmatos, <laughs> so he's very good. Uh, if, you, if you're into like seriously art house stuff, like that, 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 this this movie is basically like a like that pretentious film student's like wet dream. Like that that's that's how I'd describe it. Same under the skin, to be honest. <laughs> like you know. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't call myself that, but I, I I'm just a movie fan, and I think Under the Skin is pretty accessible. Well, I wouldn't call myself that either, but like you know, I'm just kind of. I'll you that. How? <laughs> dare you how dare you you cheeky little trollop 
<laughs> oh, oh, worth it. Yeah. So worth it. What's your number 16? Uh, my number 16 is a movie we've already talked about. It's uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, yeah. I, we already talked about it a bunch, but I... Another movie I was just like totally blown away by and it was so cheap and it's just how do you make John Goodman into somebody that you don't like or don't trust you know all he ever is is just these likable dad like characters or it's like taking Tom Hanks and turning them into a villain you're like I don't like this <laughs> but he's great he, he's such a good like is he just a crazy prepper or is he right? And uh, you kind of go back and forth throughout the movie. I love the mystery. I love the tension. I love the claustrophobia of the mm -hmm. whole thing. It's uh, and and yeah, there are some sci-fi elements, but it, it makes you doubt, you know, the whole movie. So I I love it. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, no, um, I I spoke my piece earlier on Ten Cloverfield Lane. Mm -hmm. It's very 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 good. Um, yeah, I like. I, I think it's a wonderful little film. I, I I love when a film proves that you can just have one location and just be really inventive with it. I, I'm just clicking yeah. on it because I wanted to see because Dan Trachtenberg, who who directed this, um, he he went on to do an episode of Black Mirror, which was a uh, playtest, which was one of season three's episodes. It was a video game oh, one. I like that one. Yeah, it's a solid mm -hmm. one. Not my favorite of the season, but yeah. Because, you know, shop and dance is, like, right after it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then That's San like Junipero. A masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he also did the, I think it's the first episode of The Boys on Amazon this year. So he's, he's not actually done any movies since then. So hopefully he gets back to movies because he's really good. Um, but, uh, and The Boys is really worth seeing. If anyone's not checked out The Boys. Yeah, I've watched the pilot and it was strong pilot for sure. Yeah, it was really good. Um, it, it's basically everything that, it's so weird that it came out the same year as Watchmen because I feel like, it's a much better satire of superheroes than the Watchmen movie is. But of course, the Watchmen show is a much better companion I mean, to the Watchmen. Watchmen show just it's, it's that, so strong. Yeah, but I wouldn't. <laughs> but this is the thing: the Watchmen show I wouldn't call a satire of superhero. I'd say that's a companion to the to the book, but it's not. That's not what it's about anymore. Okay. Whereas the Boys is actually about the superhero satire, um, and so funny. Like I laughed so hard. Uh, when yeah, I was the pilot those. was strong um anyway uh so that was your number 16 uh my number 16 is um proven that he still has it in him every so often the martian ridley scott who <laughs> i feel like i i like you know he's got a lot of great movies but he has a lot of shit in between those great movies and mm -hmm. this was kind of proof because it had been a while it had been a while since i loved something you know i you know he had a nice little run in the early 2000s with uh, gladiator and then black hawk down was pretty solid and then matchstick men was pretty good for what it was um but then he had a bit of a slump and he made like that weird egypt movie at some point which i don't even remember gods of egypt that wasn't him it was something like that though um, yep that was definitely him was that him okay right so he did a lot of crap uh prometheus well it looked good and i convinced myself that i liked it for a bit or when i watched it again i'm like what was i thinking no, this is terrible like i can't i can't defend this um and then obviously covenant came later and covenant was not on my list not on my, yeah, Actually, not on I, my didn't list. See, I didn't see covenant yeah i don't like prometheus so i didn't see covenant <laughs> yeah there's an argument I here though i mean the martian was just such a like oh he could still do it you know like you're right yeah. it, it was one of those I the the trailers were promising, and then you went and saw the movie. And you're like, I didn't think that he could do 
comedy so well also but like it's yeah. very funny it's very funny no, and I think I always say this but Ridley Scott is a great director I think he's a, always a great visual director all he needs mm-hmm. is someone to hand him a good story a good script and obviously this was based on a book so the book was there the book was obviously solid the book is very strong I, yeah. I've listened to the audiobook mm. multiple times I've never done that with an audiobook before but like it, it is the 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 book is is funny also so i i mean it has that he he does have a pretty good foundation and emotional like it, the book's so well written so and there's um yeah you know I, I think there's an argument as well when something kind of creates a phrase that i have used like since to mean something because like it just it works so well in the movie like um basically there's a point in the movie where He's, you know, he's basically he has to survive for so long until the other the, the ship might be able to come back for him, and he has to like you know grow his own potatoes and things like that. Um, there's a point where he kind of does the math and like how much food he can grow, how much he has to eat per week, and all that, and he just looks mm-hmm. at it and goes, "I'm going to have to science the shit out of this." And that that's kind of become to mean when you're like, "Okay, payday is not for a few days," and you look at the fridge and there's only like a few things like, "I'm going to have to science the shit out of this." <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's become what that means. Um, yeah. and I've I've seen it used online from various people, and it is a fun thing to say. And um, it's really good. Uh, so now, Marston's a really really enjoyable movie. That um, and it, this was actually kind of a trend. There was like a little period of time where every October slash November for about three or four years, there was like a really sort of highbrow kind of sci-fi movie. Um, mm-hmm. It started in 2013 with Gravity. 2014 had Interstellar, and 2015 had The Martian. It was like a, it was like a yearly thing at that time of year. There was like a here's an interesting science fiction film. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll get continued after that though. I think, uh, but it was just a nice coincidence. Well, I think they tried. There was like Passengers and stuff, but I I didn't see it. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think studios keep trying to get like a big science fiction movie out every year. This year we had Ad Astra, mm-hmm. um, but you know it's there was that. Um, you don't always reach Sony like Alien knockoff or Alien slash the Thing knockoff Life, which uh, which I think was meant to be that time of year, but get delayed to like mm-hmm. February or March, so it didn't really matter. But uh, and it was thoroughly mediocre, uh, mad. Uh, so yeah, uh, Martian, really good. What is your number fifteen? Uh, okay, this is the last of the Marvel films that I have. <laughs> and it is Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's sci-fi, yeah. That... Oh, yeah, it's definitely sci-fi. Well, you said you had a few Marvel, but I was like, oh, there's only so many I'd count as sci-fi. I never thought of that one, but you're right. <laughs> no, that's sci-fi. Yeah, I, I really love this movie. Um, I watched it again last weekend. And I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really... I don't want to say like important, but I can't help but watch it and think I wish I had this movie when I was a kid, mm. you know, because I, I definitely would have been drawn to it. I was totally drawn to these types of female leads. And I like one of the, the, the movies that I really attached myself to when I was a kid was Contact, just because it was a, a girl who was like, uh, you know, she she got on well with with the guys she liked she liked the science and she liked uh she liked outer space and um had a great relationship with her dad and stuff like that and i um i i don't know i was so like attached to her i like it was the closest thing that i saw of what i wanted to be that i i just like attached myself to her and i would have liked to have had this movie also when i was a kid but but i have it now as a 
young adult. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you laughed a little too long. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and I still think it's great. And I, I'm glad it exists for, for young kids now. And I think it's the, I love the, what the angle with the scrolls that they do. I love seeing young Sam Jackson. There's some great nineties puns. Um, and I think Brie Larson's great in it. You know, I, people think she's a bit dry, but I think that's a choice. <laughs> I think that's a character choice and there's a reason for it. And I, mm-hmm. I like it. I, I think it's, yeah, I'm glad this movie is here. I, like, I mean, I like the movie. Um, I think uh, it, was, you know, it was funny to be had. I mean, I, I don't think it necessarily rose above a lot of the other Marvel stuff for me, but I think there was some solid stuff in there. I will, I will say that I didn't, li- I didn't like the cinematography. I thought the, the movie looked oddly underexposed a lot of the times, which was really weird, but... Um... Um, can't say I agree. I don't know. I, I, I like the look of the film. That's I like that it looks a bit like a 90s movie, too. Um, like it's a bit grittier. But hey, uh, so that's your number 15. My number 15 is Edge of Tomorrow which is the Groundhog Day of science fiction. This is <laughs> this is Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Bill Paxton, not too long before he... I mean, oh, it was a few years later, but like this is the last big movie I remember him being in before he passed away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, surprisingly funny in places. Not over it. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean Bill Paxton might be the, the biggest sort of celebrity death that's kind of hit me, just because he was, he was still too young. He was only like pushing... He was, like, was like just hitting 60, I think. So he was around mm-hmm. that age, um, and like he was, it was like oh, he, he just start, he just started starring in a new TV show. He was the lead in a new TV show. Like, it was clearly there was no like no one thinking he was going to die anytime soon, and then all of a sudden he was just gone. And like, he's a big part of my life because Aliens and Terminator and Predator Two even yeah. and Near Dark. And, yeah, he's been killed by everything. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love Bill Paxton, and uh, I wish he was in this movie a bit more. Oh sure, be- yeah, because we. Because we lost him, you know. He's a very and different. And there's going to be a sequel, and he's not going to be in it, which makes me sad. But he's a very different Bill Paxton in this, though, because he's this hard-ass general who like fast talks and. He's so good at like caricatures, though. Oh yes. You know, and yeah. I I I watched Big Love. I watched all four seasons, and I think it was four seasons, maybe it was three. Well, I watched all the whole series of Big Love, and it's hard not to just totally fall in love with with bill paxton in that movie or in that show he's so uh likable and even though he's a polygamist you you, you kind of buy it by the end like you get his reasoning and you're like okay this seems to work uh, they're all consenting <laughs> adults whatever <laughs> but it it's a uh, yeah i miss bill paxton too and he's he's a. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I got so used to seeing him as like a, a regular father figure in that show for however many seasons it was that you, you kind of forget that he's just really good at the also just these tiny little caricature pieces. And this what, is a, a great example of it. What I loved about this movie is obviously it's really fun because it's playing with the, 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 the looping elements and there's, mm-hmm. some, there's some humor in there and stuff. But what I like about it is that it has a really good arc for the main character. I think definitely it, it uses yeah. it uses the time looping mechanic to essentially turn this coward of because tom cruise is kind of like this coward who doesn't want to actually help and he wants to like hide yeah. and run away and just do paperwork he has and, like a high position yeah. in the military because of his family 
like he was like a senator's kid or something. Or he's like, whatever, you'll just skate by, have this have this job that doesn't actually put you in danger. And it's this beautiful thing where by the end of the movie, even though to everyone else he's not been found out because day, day, the day is reset over and over again. He's actually had this arc where he's actually, at least to the audience, has earned the respect that he's he's mm-hmm. been given by everyone, even though they don't know he's actually earned it yet, but we do. And it's this really great thing where it really it pays off for me. And uh, Emily Blunt's great in it as well. And there's a, I don't know, there's a couple of like, you know, like typical movie tropes that here or there, especially when it comes to like, you know, winning the day at the end. There's a couple of like, just, I would just need to do this because it's a movie, basically. Uh, yeah. When it's, when it's at its but weakest, like, but... the final like act, when it's, when it's like, okay, we're not resetting anymore. So now we have, now everything is like for real, life or death. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so, it's so tense. <laughs> like everything's, everything's earned. I, I love this movie. Also, some of it, some of his deaths early on, because that's how the day resets. Is every time he dies, the day resets. Some of his deaths yeah. early on are pretty funny. Where oh, hilarious! It, yeah, and it's a video game, right? Like, mm. yeah. Uh, so no, Edge of Tomorrow, really good, nice surprise. Uh, and I'm actually surprised this high because originally I had it lower, and then I saw I kept I, was, I kept thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to bump up a little bit. We bump up just yeah. a bit higher because it's it's actually really good, and it's, it's stuck in my head. Um, and also, Full Metal Bitch is a fantastic little. I wish <laughs> I wish I could take that name. Honestly, that should that should be the title of the sequel. They should just go for it. Call it Phil Miller Bitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, even the poster's PG thirteen, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, what is be your much better title than Enter Tomorrow? <laughs> yes, and Live Die Repeat, not that great either. Um, nope. Uh, All you need is Kill, which was the original story. I I do like as a title just because it sounds more unique, but. Arguably, it's not as clear what it actually is, but you know, whatever. Not every movie has to be snakes in a plane, all right? You don't have to describe what the plot is. <laughs> I wonder what that's about. Um, all right, Tara, what is your number 14? Controversial pick Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> As, do you know what? I, I just just to give you an idea when this was recorded, I just recorded the two and a half hour uh, uh, Rise of the Skywalker review earlier today. So I'm out in Star Wars. You talk. I, I, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is so ballsy because Force Awakens came out and it gave the fans what they wanted. It gave everybody the characters they wanted to see again. Uh, it left everything on a cliffhanger with Luke Skywalker. And it was so positive and we did everything right and we know how to do everything. And then The Last Jedi opens and the opening scene is Luke Skywalker taking the lightsaber and just saying, throwing it away. Like, those. here's your expectations. Whatever you think this movie is going to be, it's not it. And I I love how how it grown up it is. It's, it's a movie that's taking everything, like... The, the comic book aspects of Star Wars or the hero's journey and it's saying let's make a left turn here and say what if Ray, Ray's parents like were nobody we know you have all these theories and speculations and uh, let's do that which I know and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know like uh, the, the, the relationship between Kylo Ren and Ray and her needing a mentor and him stepping in as the villain to provide that mentorship when when Luke can't do it, the whole like 
Rashomon kind of scenes with Luke and, and Kylo when he was younger. I, I, I think the movie is, it's, it's really ballsy and, um, I, I really do like it. And I get there's some parts that are not as fun or some characters that are not as great, but it, it I still, I love that the movie takes so many chances and I, I love Luke Skywalker's journey by the end of the movie as well. Like he, he becomes the myth, you know, that he made fun of and he, he does it just naturally. And I, I think it's perfect. I, I really, I really do love the last Jedi, and it's got porks. Thank you, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> I want to say two things. One is that I have a newfound respect for this film after seeing Rise of Skywalker, um, because well, I don't necessarily think it works, and I don't necessarily like a lot of the things that are in it. It did try to do something new, and the one thing that I, the one decision that I really liked in this movie, the idea that his parents were nobodies and it doesn't matter who she is because not everyone has to be connected to someone from the past. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great choice. <laughs> um, so i'll leave that there and just um rise of skywalker was it was uh was pretty pretty not good <laughs> so i'm gonna say <laughs> no, that's all gonna i say. still like it i just in fact can, can i just stuff is yeah is lazy yeah he's, he's terrible that. he's absolutely lazy. terrible um I'm going to do one sort of kind of... This is a very male spoiler for the movie. I mean, I'm sure by the time this goes out, everyone's seen it, if you care about Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm just going to give you a little brief warning here. Not a major thing. But I will say this. Given everything you said there about how you felt about Luke's journey, surely you hated the scene in the new movie where he basically just contradicts everything and says, no, 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 don't throw the lightsaber on the fire. You do all this. Here's my explanation. <laughs> he basically gives a speech um... that contradicts every message that he was trying to give her. I'm still processing the film mm. which is why it's on my list at number 25 you could have like just not put it there because it's too new and had any darkness be number 25 no it's star trek the rise of skywalker or oh star wars God. into darkness oh. <laughs> all right okay that was your 14 my number 14 we're gonna get a little bit more classy here Take class to join up a little bit uh we're gonna talk about arrival uh, which Ooh. is Denis Villeneuve, uh, a director who everyone is like really hot on. He's, he's kind of like, um, he's basically Nolan. Really? Sorry, I thought he was like universally praised. Well, yeah, I just I just said he's everyone's pretty hot on. Oh, I thought you said that not everybody's pretty hot. Oh, no, like, no, really? no, <laughs> no, everybody's pretty hot. On him. Uh, he's basically like Nolan a few years later. So they're, obviously they're both still functioning, but he feels like. You know, not not the exact same types of movie, but just the way he's been received is this kind of like, okay, he's a good director and he's get, he's kind of selling his movies based on him. Although that said, unlike Nolan, commercially he's not quite hit the the mark yet. Like he's not really made a lot of money with these movies. But um, it, the way that the film nerd community kind of treats him, though, is very Nolan esque. I feel uh, it reminds me a lot. But I a lot of correlation. Yeah, I'm definitely a fangirl. Yeah. I, I I think he's proven himself. What's funny so is I think it, he's really, deserved. I think he's really really good. And I, I do think he's a bit more hit and miss with me personally. I, I, I don't necessarily love everything he's done. I, I think I've only seen two of his films. I don't think I've seen anything before Arrival. Sure. Um, but Arrival, I think, is a really good movie. I, I think it's a really smart sci-fi movie because it's a sci-fi movie where it's not about fighting. It's a sci-fi movie that's about communication. 
and mm-hmm. is about first contact in a way that I've never seen done before. Uh, it has some fun twists and turns, of course, as well. Um, but it's all about trying to be peaceful with the alien race that arrives. It's not about, you know, starting to shoot each other. And I love that that's never really a thing. I mean, sure, I mean, there's some conversation about what happens if they become hostile, but it, that's not what the movie's about, and it never tries to be. Yeah. This feels a lot more akin to something like A Day They Are Stood Still. I mean, admittedly, does, they, I agree. They, they do try and shoot yeah. at him in that, don't get me wrong, and that does happen, but... Uh, but for the most part, that movie's about no. He's trying to communicate something to us. We have to listen to him. Uh, yeah. And this movie's very much that for a modern. I age. I agree, and it's also very, uh, very rewatchable because mm-hmm. of the way the the twist happens at the end. It kind of makes you look at the movie differently from the very beginning. And it and it, it's, it introduced the world to the music that it plays at the start and the end. Uh, which has now mm-hmm. been used in like five different TV shows and at least ten adverts <laughs> since. Because it's not music that was written for the movie. It was just like a, a piece by Max, uh, I think Richter is his name. Um, and it was in season one of Castle Rock. Um, it's been in trailers for things. Like, it's just, it's all over the place. Like, you'd know if you heard it. You'd be like, yeah, this is this track. And hell, the official music video has Elizabeth Moss in it for some reason. <laughs> like, it's a whole thing. Um, okay. But well, I think it's difficult. If it's not the official music video, she shot something for YouTube where she's walking around to that music, and it's just there's kind of a music video. But um, no, uh, obviously you got uh, you got uh, Lois Lane and Hawkeye together in here, uh, both doing a good job. Um, I shouldn't really say that because Amy Adams is much better than that Lois, uh, you know, job. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's really good. She did not get to shine. I as always Lois. thought she was kind of a miscast for Lois Lane, but I do think she's a wonderful actress. I can see her working as Lois Lane if Lois was written as Lois, but they didn't really rate her as Lois strictly. They just kind of wrote her as reporter lady. <laughs> like, it wasn't Lois Lois. Um, Sammy Cavill as Superman. Like, if they'd actually written him as Superman, I think he might have done a good job, but they didn't. I mean, he looks the part. Yeah, he definitely looks the part. Uh, but when you see him smiling in interviews, you're like, no, that's Superman. I just saw Superman in his face, but he never gets yeah, to do that in the there m- it is. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, and the one time we do get to see him do it, the top of his lips CG'd because they have to hide a moustache. <laughs> his weird baby mouth. Oh, so weird. Uh, but yeah, Arrival is fantastic and very unique. And I, I appreciate that it's more of a thinking person sci-fi film and not about the action, uh, which is probably why it's not a huge mega hit. But it did quite well for what it was, actually. It did, you know, that's just one of his more successful films. I think that was a good word of mouth yeah. that people saw and then got other people to go yeah. see. His next film, though, cost a lot of money and did not even come close to uh, breaking even. Uh, no, it did not. I've got a funny feeling it'll come up, so I won't say what it is. Uh, so that was my number 14. <laughs> What's your number 13? My number 13... It's another franchise. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is War for the Planet of the Apes. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, yes. I, uh, again, we're dealing with Caesar. Uh, this is the trilogy of the decade. <laughs> I, I think it is a beautiful conclusion where Caesar is Moses looking upon the Holy Land and allowing his people to go, to go forth and... It is uh, it's a great antagonist with Woody Harrelson. Do you know what I loved about this? Is I loved it when I went into it, even though I'd seen the trailers, I didn't really know what the plot was. Like They, they really no, kept it under wraps. No. And something really big happens. And the, the at, title is a little misleading, yeah. too. 
Yeah, because it's not really a war per se. It's kind of a mislead. Yeah, but I mean, that's the bit only nitpick is that the title's kind of a lie. But like the uh, like whatever. I mean, it's I the third one. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but there's something big that happens in like the opening act that kind of sets up the motivations for the characters, mm-hmm. and it's so like like I I, I got emotional <laughs> because oh it, yeah, it's so emotional. And like I I love that uh, that Caesar is so tormented by the events of the previous film and what the decisions he had to make is still sticking with him. And I I like the uh, I love Bad Ape. We get Steve Zahn, mm-hmm. always a plus. Do you, do you know what um, I do you know what I love about uh, this series? And obviously Matt Reeves, who did uh, the second two, is fantastic and proved that he's fantastic mm-hmm. with these. But do you know what I think part part of what makes these so special is that because the apes, other than Caesar, can't speak out loud, and there's occasional sign language, sure, but for the most part, it forces it to be completely visual. And I think that yeah. actually almost forces them as storytellers to get really creative and tell the story based purely on that. And it is, yeah. it's beautiful. I mean, and you couldn't do this without performance capture. Oh, absolutely. Because everything is just in in the eyes and the, the subtle movements, the body language. And they're not even playing humans. Yeah. <laughs> they have to do ape language. <laughs> and I, I love that some of the other apes are ones that we've had since Rise, you know, the orangutan, uh, whose name I'm forgetting, but like, you know, some of the some of the apes are still there from the first movie. Like, yeah. has old time yeah. friends. And, uh, yeah, and, and they brought in elements to tie it back into the original movie which i i appreciate that that was brought up too and uh although i will say this i don't necessarily think in my head that the version of the original movie that exists is the one that kind of happens in this universe just because it feels so tonally different you know i do i think that original planet of the apes movie really holds up no no it's, uh, it's just the first one no it's great uh, the I, other ones are fun b movies but they're i think the first one does and and it, the, the spaceship is in the first is in rise well no I'm, I'm not saying the first one's not good it is but it just doesn't sync up in my mind like even though it's great science fiction it's still just a little bit too of its time to really sync up with what this movie set up i think like and maybe i mean you could probably remake it so that the apes look more like they belong in the same world but i I'm not saying I want I don't a, know. In, I, in my head, I think it still works. I'm not saying I want a remake. I, I guess what I'm saying is here is that I don't believe that without a proper story telling me that the apes in this movie, you know, giving the Caesar's guidance and where he's got them, would become to humans what what in the original plot of the apes they are. Like I just don't see it. And to me, I I think that ship in the first movie is a little wink, wink, nod, nod. Is a little hey, we're referencing the first original. Come on, it's funny, but. I, I don't necessarily take it as to me this is kind of neatly the end of the story um and well yeah i mean this is all about caesar so and i think this yeah it's a beautiful way to wrap up the trilogy and uh yeah high praise high praise all around yeah that is mine number 13 my number 13 very different from yours is a little oddity that goes by the name of turbo kid I have no idea what this movie is. <laughs> this is a science fiction... Uh, I've heard it referred to as Mad Max on BMX, um, which isn't really accurate to what the plot is. Michael Ironside's in this as the villain. That gives you a, a sense of what we're doing with it. Uh, but it's about this, this teenager... <laughs> I do love good Ironside villain. Yeah. It's about this teenager who basically finds um, like a, like a superpower glove and also a, a girl robot. And like... 
the villain's kind of after them uh, it's really vi- comically violent when it gets going like when the violence happens it's like there's the blood spurting everywhere um it's kind of meant to be this kind of because I, I think it starts off by saying in the not too distant future of 1997 like it's intentionally meant to kind of emulate the idea of like a movie made in the 80s that is My like favorite. pretending to be in the future but it, you know like um and it's really go and even the thing he finds is like the nintendo power glove not exactly obviously but it's what it reminded me of um and it just is it's just a blast it was just such a delightful like b movie that knows what it is but it has a heart because it has this romance with him and the robot girl and like i recommend it if 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 this sounds appealing to you uh, i would highly recommend checking out turbo kid i suspect we shall watch it one day we probably will we probably will um what is your number 12 (laughs) my number 12 is a a small film um small indie film swerve swerve's coming by an unknown director swerve's coming it's a big director it's a big big film triple a budget it's inception (laughs) (laughs) yeah kind of a big movie um although i'm not like a nolan super fan i can't deny inception is pretty brilliant uh it's a fun it was a fun summer surprise and i uh, i love the puzzle the i think i think this is probably nolan's best film although i also really love dunkirk don't hate me <laughs> i'm not gonna hate you i know you like yeah, dunkirk. I, it, I'm not... it's uh it's really good um and it's uh i'm sure we'll have more to say about it later uh <laughs> what are you suggesting how dare you how do you predict things um, <laughs> on the subject of nolan since we're definitely talking about this later um <laughs> uh, did you watch the full trailer for tenet uh yes although i was disappointed that it did not play before the star wars movie that i went to see oh i, I did get it before the star wars movie um and it is i, I'm, I have to say i'm because I, I wasn't really into dunkirk and i was disappointed by it and I am so excited because this feels like Inception Nolan. It feels like Inception Nolan's back to the point where some people yeah. are even speculating it's set in the same universe. And I don't know if he's going to do that, but um, like, because even that, that first teaser trailer, that first teaser trailer where it's just um, uh, your man from Black Clans, Mickey forget his name, John David Washington, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I think so. It's, it's like it's a name similar to that, anyway. Um, but he like something Washington. <laughs> it's, it's just like a shot of him coming in, and he looks at this like sort of bullet hole in the glass, and then he tur- he turns his body in this kind of like almost weird robotic way, and it's almost like in time with the music, and it's just it has this feel to it, and he walks down to a second bullet hole and looks at that, and but he turns his body back to face it properly, and it's just there's this rhythm in the movement of his body that just makes it feel surreal and kind of. It's almost mm-hmm. as, as if like there's some really accurate detail to it. Um, even that got no me excited. Playing with time, that's his favorite subject. Oh yeah, so. the, the, the full trailer outright shows time rewinding at points. Uh, and that's how they're going to like fight the bad guys or whoever they are. So I am super, I am so freaking pumped for this next year. <laughs> so freaking pumped. All right. I'll tell you what I said about Deception. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Inception is, uh, it's, it is, it's uh it it has that wonder that you kind of miss from uh, a lot of movies that like old spielberg films used to have inception brought it like it's it was watching the the city fold over on itself was exciting and it's like i didn't i i'm glad that there are people who have such imaginations because i would never think of something like this and it's it's uh, it's even, fun it's it, it's fun it's a kind of a great heist movie too and mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what uh, I love when stuff like this has some clear rules, and I love something as simple mm-hmm. as when they're like in a dream within a dream. If the if the top layer they're all asleep in starts flipping, like say they're in a van, and the van starts rolling down a hill, that means in the dream within that the the entire world starts flipping and that's why we get that cool mm-hmm. hallway fight where joseph gordon lev is like you know the, the, the hallway yeah. spinning and it made jogo lev like cool <laughs> jo- i don't remember seeing him before this other than like since they're from the sun really i think maybe he did some comedies but then and then there was mm-hmm. this movie and he was like super cool in it i don't know yeah that, that was a that surprise was that was neat and um, uh, yeah I, I think it's i think it's a very unique idea and that's always gonna play better for me than something i've seen before although i do have a lot of franchises on here it's just because a lot of the unique ideas in the last decade not all of them worked not all of them were great movies so but i always love that you know i love when i get something that's that's new and Mm -hmm. uh, certainly unique all right so yeah it's on my list 